Hi, folks. Today, I want to talk about who's got the cure for viral fear. It turns out that lots of uncomfortable truths are being unveiled in our world, and the division is worse than ever, extreme and alarming. The energetic split we're witnessing in society right now is wild, and I'm more and more motivated to speak truth to my own reality instead of paying all my attention to the fear-mongering, power plays, and propaganda. Yes, I know that the Rona is real. I know that people have lost their lives to it. I hold compassion for those souls, truly. However, I have come to realize that the greatest concern is not a virus, but our world's insane response to this pandemic. We need to pull back the curtains and look critically at the big picture and what it will mean for us if we stay complicit in this unprecedented PSYOP. I know for many, many people, I'm already speaking blasphemy here. Please listen with an open heart. It's important to remember that we are creating a new world for our children with the choices we are making and the things that we are agreeing to. The things that have already been normalized as part of this pandemic, such as not seeing friends, not hugging our families, not being able to see our faces in public, these are deeply unsettling things, especially for tiny impressionable children. The more intense the world has become, the less inclined I've been to speak my views aloud. Instead of being entrenched in dogma or having a predetermined set of deal-breaker beliefs, I have really tried my best to remain curious and open, even through the rolling emotional shocks of seeing so many people, educated leaders, well-respected in my world, do the opposite. Meanwhile, I know that well-respected medical professionals of all stripes in many nations are now being dragged through the mud as conspiracy theorists, simply because they are questioning the settled science that's being touted as truth. Pro tip, if it's settled, it's not science. The very thing that makes science science is that it can be examined, questioned, poked holes through. We have to continue uh, evaluating it if we are going to call it science. Otherwise, it's dogma. Back in March 2020, I was fully prepared to do whatever it took to prevent what we very much believed would be a mass extinction event, even before anyone else took it seriously. The past year has divided our world in massive ways, and I'm learning that many people that were my friends and colleagues, they're simply not willing or able to look beyond the fear-mongering narrative we're being fed. I actually believe that we're in the middle of a spiritual warfare. I'm plainly shocked that it's not obvious to everyone. So my personal awakening of the past year is I don't feel like the same person I was before I left rural Texas and moved to Austin. The thing is, uh, about a week before the world shut down and everything went sideways, we finally made a decision that had been in the works for almost a decade, and we decided to move from the country to the city. Austin has felt like my Zion for most of my life. I thought it was the home I'd been yearning for, a place where I could find like-minded community and acceptance. I've been obsessed with Austin since I was a teenager, and I always felt like it was my, my real home, the place where I belonged. It felt like a place of freedom, where art and self-expression was valued, where higher education didn't mean hoop jumping, it meant academic curiosity, creative spark. It seemed like a place where nature and healthy living and yoga, the occult, art, all of the things that were my things could be celebrated, not just tolerated. So I thought I was finally moving closer to my tribe, my people, 
the opportunities that my family needed. But this past year has opened my eyes to a dark side of progressive thought that I was blind to as a rural Texan. I thought that Austin was green, eco-conscious, full of compassionate souls who understood nuance and oneness. I missed the details when I was just hopping into the city for a few hours each week to shop for healthy foods or meet with friends who didn't make me feel like I was the weirdest person on the planet for simply wanting to be happy and free. It turns out that the conservative extremism I had become so attuned to in rural Texas has an opposite yet just as extreme bent in the city. And I do not like it either. I have lived my life looking for the third path, always. I've never been willing to accept that there are only two sides to a coin or a story. This runs so much deeper than we are being conditioned to think. A mask or shot may be an effective virtue signal, but it does not automatically mean you care about others and it does not make you safe. Breathing freely and opting out of experimental medicine does not make you racist and it says exactly zero about your politics, your morals, or your spirituality. Masks were not a thing in 2019, and truly, the most significant change we've seen since then has nothing to do with a virus. It has to do with the messages of fear and demands for compliance that we're all being bombarded with. Nuance is the missing link, and it's in very short supply in the American public. Now, of course, we should be mindful and compassionate. It's not the same for everyone. I understand that people have different things going on in their lives and they may be more or less attuned to the fear and it may or may not be justified. Many have lost loved ones. They're sad. They're hurting. They're angry. However, we cannot lose ourselves in the compassion for others. We cannot keep the world warm by setting fire to ourselves. So I've come to recognize that somewhere between two weeks to flatten the curve and where we are now, we've seriously lost our way. So if you're listening to me and head nodding along with my words, I'm really glad you're here and that you're also questioning the narrative. You probably agree with me that mainstream healthcare has been a charade for decades, especially when it comes to prevention and maintaining wellness. If you're hearing this and feeling mad or shocked or annoyed with me, well, I invite you to sit with those feelings. I don't have to, you know, hold space for your anger. That's on you. You don't have to tell me anything at all. And you can just click away and forget that you ever heard of me. But the funny thing is, maybe my words will live in a dark corner of your mind. They might turn out to actually resonate with you at some point in the future. Either way, that's cool too. I send you nothing but peace, love, and clarity. The past 15 months have brought greater awareness to many of us, and none of us are the same as we once were. We have to hold space for each other's evolution. Because eight months ago, I might have thought I was crazy too. I'm sending you all the love and tenderness you need to navigate these challenging times. And please, consider the world that you're creating for our children and consider what we're being asked to normalize and whether it's worth it. So I know you might be thinking, who the hell is she to talk about all this stuff? And aside from being, you know, very much a health renegade uh, in my own life and world for the past, you know, 20 plus years at least, my whole adulthood, um, 
I have also written for a team of various, you know, holistic professionals, um, chiropractors, um, therapists, doctors. Um, and one of them is my very dear friend, Dr. Marissa Heisel. Uh, Marissa is exactly 10 years older than me. We share a birthday. We also have uh, the same number of children and an uncanny sense of we just tend to be on the same wavelength in a lot of ways. I have written for her and with her for the past three years, and we actually met online after one of my blog posts went viral and really drew a lot of attention to me. And so some beautiful relationships in my life um, blossomed out of that kind of crazy hyper-focus of attention on my tiny little corner of the web. Um, so my work with Dr. Marissa Heisel has been uh, really, really brilliant. And it's one of my favorite projects that I've done. Like, I can't really call it work. Um, we tend to really kind of riff off of each other's um, intuitive nudges and emotions. And we have a very, you know, kind of, uh, th we have worldviews that are very similar, which is funny because, you know, I'm a native Texan and she is a native Canadian. So, in Canada, there, uh, there are some of the worst, the most extreme, the most um, archaic kinds of uh, lockdowns and, you know, distancing measures. And none of it really seems to be warranted, given the state of things and how it has unfolded. And so uh, Dr. Marissa has had a very eye-opening clarion call over the past, you know, 13 plus months, because at first uh, we were both very uh, concerned. We had our finger on the pulse of what was going down in the world, uh, even before America decided to shut down. Um, we were looking at the, the research coming out of China and Italy and various places, and we were ready to you know, we, we were, we were early adopters of things like hand sanitizer and masking in public and sanitizing our groceries. We were very like vigilant and concerned and focused. And so we were writing, uh, for her blog, we were writing about, uh, various things that we could do to protect our immune systems because she, as a holistic doctor and me with my background of 20 plus years of just being in the holistic, um, worldview and, we have a lot of combined experience and, you know, things that we could share, not, you know, not from a perspective of being the authorities or anything, but just genuinely to help people uh, with, you know, boosting their immune systems and making sure that they know how to care for themselves uh, carefully and, you know, with, with good, with good, in good conscience to be aware of all the different things that they could do to protect their health. And so, uh, when we we originally had written an article, and it was about 15 different ways to protect your immune system, and her chiropractic licensing body did not like what we were talking about. Now, we were talking about things like, you know, hand washing and, um, you know, very basic, obvious things. We were also talking about things like elderberry syrup and colloidal silver, um, eating more fresh fruits and vegetables maybe not, you know, vaping or, you know, taking steps to protect our lung health and our air quality and our homes. And so we 
edited and changed this article several times before Dr. Marissa realized that what she was experiencing from her licensing body kept her from being uh, able to speak truth to what she knew as a holistic professional because it did not fit the narrative that they were wanting to push. So she uh, just made the very difficult decision to give up her chiropractic license and um, she has now transitioned into being um, an outspoken advocate and activist uh, for freedom in Canada. And I'm very, very pleased to count her as one of my best friends. And together on the, uh, for the one year anniversary of Two Weeks to Flatten the Curve, we decided to collaborate on another article. And I would like to read it to you today. And it is called From Viral Fear to Fearless Creation. Now, Dr. Marissa is a brilliant wordsmith. And for her, she takes a much more, you know, zoomed out kind of global picture about what all these changes have done to our world and what we're really, you know, agreeing to and what it's going to mean in the long in the long run. What kind of what kind of world are we actually um, allowing to take shape in front of us? And are we going to be OK with that in the future? So. Let me read her article to you. It's called From Viral Fear to Fearless Creation. And you can find Dr. Marissa on her blog at transformationalessentials.com. This week, we observe the one-year anniversary of two weeks to flatten the curve. Last March, the planet was gripped by terror as we encountered a novel respiratory virus with no inkling of what its short or long-term consequences might be. Seemingly overnight, we were consumed by a search for answers, for experts to turn to, for the comfort of a sensible script to follow. We were desperate for anything that promised protection from a rampaging virus and the ensuing, ensuing fear of mass extinction. At the time, our fear seemed valid, so it felt reasonable to hunker down at home, miss weeks of work, and avoid our friends and extended families. Anything seemed worthwhile to slow the spread of this virus so that we could minimize the prospect of hospitals and morgues becoming overwhelmed with victims. We may have been scared, but we were also hopeful. Perhaps two weeks of radically different living would not only save our species, but might even light the way for positive change in other areas, such as our relationship with the environment or our daily office commutes. We scrambled to the stores to stock up on groceries and toilet paper to get us through what we expected would be a few weeks of extreme isolation in order to preserve our shared humanity. The media highlighted our newfound love of baking banana bread and the returns of, of dolphins to Italy's coast so we might feel like we were making worthy sacrifices. The use of cloth masks began as extra protection for those who were essential workers because of the worldwide shortage of N95 masks. As stories came out about hospital staff and their shocking lack of access to personal protective equipment, the cottage sewing industry experienced a boom in a desperate, heartfelt effort, crafty people started making and donating cloth masks to hospitals. Shortly after that, the public started wearing them too. Originally, lockdowns and social distancing were proposed as short-term extreme measures to flatten the curve, which seemed fairly straightforward at the time. The false dichotomy insisted that we would either lock down swiftly or allow the inevitable consequences of a deadly virus to wipe out humanity as we knew it. Except... Neither of those things actually happened, and our society has become hobbled, not by death tolls from a virus, but from the widespread effects of fear, 
coercion, shame, and rigid control. The fact is, the staggering health crisis we feared did not come to pass in the way we anticipated. Instead, like a hydra, the monster pandemic grew many more terrifying heads in the place of the one we were determined to cut off. Foremost, the impact on our collective mental health from living through extended lockdowns and social distancing is monumental and will likely take several decades to unravel this multifaceted trauma. Social isolation has directly contributed to skyrocketing suicide rates in both young people and adults for whom the consequences of lockdowns have been much more frightening than the virus itself. We are seeing an increased rate of illness and death unrelated to the virus in the elderly population for whom in-person social interaction is a critical piece of their overall well-being. Our seniors in assisted living facilities and nursing centers are dying alone, saying goodbye to their loved, loved ones via FaceTime calls. Many other people are, not di are dying not from a virus, but from complications of other illnesses and issues that they were denied or delayed treatment for because fear of the virus was given priority over their real-time health emergen emergencies. The so-called death toll from the virus continues to be inflated around the world, even as international health organizations quietly bury the numbers on their websites. Widespread school closures have disproportionately affected women's careers as they've been forced to assume the role of Zoom meeting coordinator for their children's schooling, on top of managing the household and caregiving duties for the rest of their family. Originally, we were advised only to wear a mask if we were sick, to protect others. Then we were told to simply assume that we are sick, and therefore pose a risk to others even when we are free of symptoms and feel healthy, i.e. asymptomatic. Despite the emerging research on their efficacy and usefulness, or lack thereof, the face mask has become enshrined as a bold statement, rife with assumptions about one's character, intelligence, and political leanings. Children and even toddlers are learning to fear breathing freely. What's worse, they are being deprived of the opportunity to read the facial expressions of those around them. Facial expressions are critical for learning nonverbal communication and social cues, which convey safety, warmth, and friendliness, or their absence. Somehow, a year after we fervently agreed to flatten the curve, we find ourselves in a deeply altered society. While many people are still steeped in self-validating fear, there's a growing number of us who are questioning the persistent narrative. Why are we not seeing more curiosity about masks and the risks and benefits of their widespread long-term use? Why are we not demanding the use of early outpatient treatment methods, which have been proven effective in multiple countries around the world over the past year? Why are we so accepting of measures that restrict our freedom now that it's clear this virus is not the mass extinction event we feared it would become? Why are so many people blindly accepting what the mainstream propaganda industry is telling them without doing their own research? There are so many sources of high-quality alternative information available, and so many incredibly brave independent journalists, doctors, and scientists sharing information that the mainstream simply refuses to investigate. As a species, how did we become so passive, so willingly to, bl to blindly follow whatever narrative we're fed by the low-frequency POO, power over others, tyrants? This term is coined by Anilia Benz. Perhaps most importantly, when will we re recognize that we've been collectively manipulated by fear and confusion and take our power back? We must now contend with the traumatic aftermath of being crippled by fear, social isolation, and the shocking increase of widespread economic hardship. Exactly one year ago, we were vigilant and ready to do our part to flatten the curve, to reduce the suffering of our fellow humans. 
We thought we were fortunate enough to be ed educated in natural wellness and immunity, and that we could be a beacon in our communities by helping others to learn what we knew and to take empowering action. However, as the weeks turned into months and the narrative seemed to spiral into directions we scarcely could have imagined, we realized with increasing dismay that the real pandemic being peddled is fear. In the past year, we have learned that there are many people who ridiculously believe the human immune system cannot be improved or influenced by nutrition or lifestyle choices and is fixed or static, rather like our 1990s-era understanding of genetics. As the world moved on from banana bread and Netflix binges, we realized that this was a watershed moment in our lives, to reevaluate what we thought we knew and to deeply, dramatically reconsider the path we've been following. Fear is the prime emotion that society is steeped in, and that is perhaps the most unhealthy habit of all. We have long known that the state of fear is a poor place to make sound decisions or to experience the joy of being fully alive. Instead of buying into fear, it is time to embrace the uncertainty around us as a pivotal moment to reinvent our future. Instead of clinging to our genuine experiences of loss and pain over the past year, it is time to transmute them into fuel sources for a renewed empowerment. In this way, we may honor our past trauma and arise like a phoenix from the ashes of what has been, by many measures, a series of lightning-struck towers. Through it all, our understanding of health and wellness has only become more nuanced and far-reaching. Learning how to holistically care for our bodies and minds has become even more essential because the truth empowers us to become self-reliant and therefore less obedient. In order to be free to say yes, we must also retain the freedom of dissent and the power to question what we are being told. Science is never settled because once it is, it becomes dogma. If you are reading this and feeling uncertain, still suffering under the weight of isolation and fear, please know that we were once there too. We have been humbled by the gravity of shifts in our beliefs as so many harsh truths have been brought to light. Please also consider that this is your clarion call to shed the isolated darkness and fear with a newfound emphasis on seeking the truth, questioning pat answers, and embracing the unknown as a catalyst for forward momentum. The time for fear and stagnation is at an end, and we are emerging from the winter with a profound appreciation for the growth and changes we've weathered. As we tend to our traumas and find the courage to move forward, we must be honest about what we've been through, without missing the growth and clarity we've gained, however hard won. A candle shines brightest in the dark, and so we must become like fire, fearlessly creating and shaping our reality, and allowing our white-hot boundaries to insulate us from the dampening of fear, shame, and conformity. Our time is now, if we cultivate the courage to blaze brightly. So there you have it. Two women's very uh, different and evolving views on what the hell the past 13 plus months of viral fear and fuckery have brought to the world. Um... Dr. Marissa and myself are both uh, humbled by the level of changes that we have had to uh, integrate in terms of our beliefs, things that we held, you know, fast and true and dear. Uh, so, so many illusions have been shattered. And I wonder if that's true for you as well. So at any rate, that's kind of our thoughts and feelings about all this. And so... I leave you with this, that 
we are still in charge of our world and we are still able to create our own reality and we are in control of our own feelings. Even if it feels like our choices are very limited, we always retain the power to to choose the way we feel about any situation. And so I send you all the love and all the clarity that you need and ask for. In my next episode, I'm going to be talking about things like unschooling or maybe how it's not normal to be sick all the time and maybe even cool stuff like pre-birth communication. So if you want to hit me up on my Instagram and tell me what I should talk about next, maybe I'll have a better plan. So thank you for listening. Bye now.